In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, if uh, you haven't been with us in previous times, we review just a little bit. We've been on a subject we're calling graces and places. Graces and places. Look in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 18. It says, well, let me just back up and start in verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. There is only one body, but there are many members in that one body. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What's the answer to that question? No, it's still of the body. If the ear would say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, no, it's still part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? What's the answer? Wouldn't be any. If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? What's the answer? Wouldn't be any smelling. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. God has set in the body every member, every one of them. And He did it uh, as it pleased Him. Now why would He be talking about uh, a member saying, because I'm not this member, I'm not of the body? Well, it's because... It's the grass is greener on the other side of the fence mentality. It's easy to imagine that somebody else's life is better than yours. Or their call is better than yours. Or their giftings and gracings is more wonderful than yours. But you don't know what it's like to be them. You don't know. I mean, if you had lived... With their graces and gifts all your life, they would be just as familiar to you as the ones that you have are to you. See what I'm saying? This newness, this imagination, the Bible said that if you compare yourself among yourselves, you're not wise. That's a foolish thing to do. What should we do? We should glory... In what God has made us to be. And be thankful. We should emphasize it. We should magnify it. Paul said I magnify. Mine office. And that's not him magnifying himself. Because he didn't call himself. If you're making a big deal. Out of the anointing and graces in your life. That's not you making a big deal out of yourself. You didn't anoint yourself. You didn't gift yourself. You didn't grace yourself. You didn't call yourself. But so many long for somebody else's call in place, and they despise and belittle their own. Big, big mistake. For one thing, it's second-guessing God himself. Isn't it? Well, I wish I'd have been this. I wish I'd have been that. I wish the Lord would have made me this. Well, do you don't think he got it right the first time around? He got it right. 
Didn't he? He knows the end from the beginning. And if he says this is what you're to be and this is what you're to do, then I assure you, there's nothing better on the planet you could ever find to be or do. You can try a whole bunch of things and find out how to be miserable. (laughs) I know uh, years ago, somebody called at the house late in the night, and it was a student that we'd had back in Bible school, and this guy's a funny guy, and... (laughs) I was surprised to hear from him, and I said, well, what's going on? Called his name. I knew he had gone to another part of the country, and they were pursuing some things in ministry. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm writing a book, Brother Keith. I said, a book? You're writing a book? He said, yeah. He said, the title is How to Miss God and Be Miserable. (laughs) He said, I cry. My wife cries. The kids cry. I think the dog cries. He said, sad. Well, he he was talking about how he felt like he was out of his place. And he had missed it. And the sad thing is, there are so many people of God, church-going people, that feel displaced. And are still now, after decades, looking for where they fit. And what they're to do. And it's not right. I said it's not right because God has not made his plan for you hard to find. He's not hiding from you or trying to make it obscure or difficult or some kind of mystery and maze for you to figure out. And so we've been on this series for some weeks looking at the truth. And how many know the truth will make you free? About graces and places. Let me review just a little bit more. First thing we saw was that everybody, somebody say everybody. Everybody. Everyone has been given grace and gifts. Not just a few, not just the preachers, everybody. Let me remind you, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, don't turn there, just listen to these. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, But every man has his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Who has it? Everybody. Ephesians 4, 7. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Unto how many? Everybody. Romans 12 and verse 3. He said we are to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. He went on to say minister according to that. 1 Peter 4 and 10. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There's four verses that say the same thing. Do you believe that you have gifts and graces in you? Do you? Like we said, sometimes parents, even though they mean well, they tell their children something that's not right. They say, honey, you know, you're smart, you're beautiful, son, you're bright, you're handsome. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do in this life. And if they're a Christian, that is not true. Are you with me now? It's not for us to decide what we want to be or decide what we want to do. That's already been determined for us. It's for us to find, to discover what He has already called us to be. 
and equipped us to do. And until we find our place and begin to operate in the grace that fits us for that place, we'll never be satisfied, we'll never be content, we'll never be fruitful, we won't grow or develop like we're supposed to. Of course, the enemy knowing this, he's going to work overtime trying to keep uh, people confused, isn't he? And uh, keep them out of their place. And there's some things that you and I can do if we'll put our flesh under it and do what he tells us to do. We can keep ourselves safe and keep ourselves protected from these things. Now, we begin talking about finding and filling your place. Finding and filling it. We've already covered these areas. You know, how do I find my place? Number one, we said, uh, the giftings in you are connected to desires. Desires. And we saw that God even works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. Doesn't He? There are some things that you will desire to do and want to do in God. And that will help get you to that place. And when you're graced to do something, it's something that other people might find challenging, but you find easy. And you want to keep your head right about this. Some graces you're given at birth. Some are added to you when you're born again. Others are added to you when you're filled with the Spirit or at different times and phases in your life and ministry. But these graces are enablements and they are abilities and strengths. And when you can do something and it comes easily to you and when you put your hand to it, it prospers. Don't get to thinking it's because you're so amazing. (laughs) I assure you, it's the grace. It's the grace. And if the Lord suspended that grace off you, you couldn't comb your hair or find the door in the morning to get out of the house. I'm telling you, His grace is what holds us up every minute of the day. Helps us put things together and helps us find what we should be doing and pursue it and complete it. So your desires in God and desires that He works in you and through you will help direct you toward that. Somebody say desire. Desire. And then also we said this, the Lord directs your life path and the locations and associations help to identify and develop the graces and gifts that He's placed in you. We looked over in Acts where He said, that God has predetermined the boundaries of men, where they should live and uh, who they should be around, predetermined, foreordained. And so where you were born and when you were born is not the accident it may appear to have been. How many understand, no child was ever born and God said, wow, where'd he come from? (laughs) It might have been a surprise to the parents, but not to God. He knew the end from the beginning. And people do a lot of things that are not the will of God and cause needless heartache and problems, but God still has a plan. I said He still has a plan, and His plan is good. Oh, what a plan. 
So the associations, where you were born, who you were born to. I'm not saying everything they did was of God, but God could have had you born 300 years ago in another part of the world. And the associations have influenced you. The people you grew up with, the people you were around, your parents, your family, your friends, your associations, and your environment have all been a part of shaping how you see things and and how you think and what's developed in you. And we want to go on today. Go with me to the book of Acts again, please. Looking at something else that's a big part of you finding your place. Now, if you haven't been with us, it would help you to get the full message off these other things I've just touched on. But go to Acts 13, please. God has created every one of us when we're born again. He knew we would be before we were born. He knew we'd say yes. He knew we'd come to Him. And He created us a specific body part to fit in a specific place in the body and do a specific job. Now it's sad that many never even find out about it or do it. And it's because men and women have a free will. And they can choose to do something other than obey God with their life. And people can choose to partially obey. All different degrees of it. But it doesn't change the fact that God has set every member in the body as it has pleased Him. Said out loud, there's a place I fit. There's a job I excel at. There's something I was made for. <laughs> That's comforting, isn't it? <laughs> you have a place. You do. Now, we talked about the desire. We've talked about the associations. In Acts 13, look at this. The Bible said there were certain ministers in the church. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, Acts 13 and 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Does the Holy Spirit speak? Does He still speak? Yes, He does. He said something. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed into Cyprus. And the writing of Acts goes on following their ministry. And how many know you've read the book of Acts? They had miracles. They had amazing things happen. They had whole towns turned to the Lord. Didn't they? And it's important to note that, uh, you know, they didn't just go. They were sent. Like one fellow said, uh, some are sent and some just went. <laughs> and of course the results reveal which was which. Because none of us can just go and, and work miracles and turn towns to the Lord because we decided to. And not everybody's ready for you. 
<laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> now you're not the one for some people. <laughs> they wouldn't receive it just because it was you. <laughs> but there's other people. You are the one. You are the one they'll listen to. You know, we need to know this about our own family. A lot of times you're not the one <laughs> with your own family. But that doesn't mean you give up. You say, Lord, there's somebody they'll listen to. Lord, send labors across their path and give them ears to hear it. Give them eyes to see it. But then also you volunteer and be ready for uh, him to use you and somebody else's family. God can use you to share, be a witness, talk to. You don't have to be a preacher. Just love the Lord. Be confident of your faith in Him. Be willing to talk to other people about your best friend. But notice in verse 1 it says, There were in the church that were at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon goes on ends up with Saul. And the Lord said, Separate unto me. Somebody say separate. separate. Say it again. Separate. separate. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. They're already in the ministry. They're already either a prophet or a teacher or a prophet and a teacher. Verse 1 said so. Didn't it? They're already in the ministry. But they're not yet into what the Holy Ghost called them to. Can you see this, friends? He didn't say, I'm calling them to it right now. He said, I have called them. But this was a point of separation unto it. Somebody say, separate. Separate. Now, we've talked about desire. We've talked about the locations and and associations. Tonight we're talking about separation. Separation. Separation means a divider. A divider is something that separates this from this. And separation goes both directions. You're separating from one thing and you're separating to another thing. Barnabas and uh, Saul, is their life about to change? Yes. Huh? Were they doing nothing before this? No, no they were doing something. Yes. What were they doing? Ministry. They're in the ministry, right. aren't they? Yes. Either a prophet or a teacher or a prophet and a teacher. They're in the full-time ministry. They're going, they're preaching, they're doing all kind of good things. And yet they're not into this thing God called them to. But how many understand it was necessary for them to do what they've done up until this point to be ready? They had to be prepared. So you don't start off in the ultimate place God has called you to. But He leads you from one place and one part to the next and it prepares you. And prepares you. And prepares you. And there's something ultimately that God has for you. And if you'll be faithful. 
And if you'll stay hooked and stay in your preparation and stay uh, in the place he put you and stay with the people he joined you to and do the things he told you to do, you'll develop. I said you'll develop to the point that you're able for him to separate you to the main ultimate thing that he called you to do. I know uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., who was influential in our lives and, and many of yours, he said on one occasion the Lord uh, appeared to him. And he had been uh, in ministry, I guess, some 13 or so years at that point. And he said, uh, the Lord told him at that point, he was now entering the first phase of his ministry. <laughs> it surprised him. <laughs> he thought, first phase? He'd already been pastoring for these 13 years or so. And of course, the Lord knows your thoughts even before you say it. And said, he said to him, he said, uh, many of my ministers live and die and never even enter into the first phase of what I've called them to do. He said, this is also why many of them die prematurely. You see, if you want to enjoy the perfect will of God in healing and blessing and protection, you have to do the perfect will of God for your life. If you come short and are unwilling or refuse to do the perfect will of God, you're going to forfeit some things that you should have in the perfect will of God in the areas of health and strength and prosperity and peace. You can't have the full blessing of God in disobedience and in rebellion. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So he was quite surprised that he's just now entering into the first phase. But was that wasted time, those 13 years of... uh, pastoring and no 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 i mean if you heard his ministry how much of his teaching included stories from those pastoring days and things that the lord taught him and miracles that they had and well certainly it was uh, but then there came a point where he told him to have meetings in neutral places and one thing led to another and then the school and and uh, i believe he ran his whole course <laughs> glory to god and I know I've been affected by it. And so if you go to this church, you're affected by it. What an impact when any man or woman obeys God and goes all the way with Him and winds up in their full place, operating in their full graces. It's fruit that is eternal and wonderful. Do you have a desire to find your place and to function fully in it? Do you believe it's yours from the Lord and you can have it? Well, notice there came a point where there was a separation. Separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So now is their life about to change? Tell me how it's going to change. They didn't know it yet, but how's it going to change? They're going to do a lot of traveling, aren't they? (laughs) They're going to spend time on ships, aren't they? They're going to do a lot of walking. They're going to go to strange towns. They're going to get yelled at and have rocks thrown at them. (laughs) And they're going to see miracles. And they're going to see whole towns turn to the Lord. Hmm? Is this different from how their life has been? 
Yes, this is different. Now, I don't know what was going on before then, but if they weren't traveling this much, maybe they had a nice little routine. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they ate at the same place every Tuesday night. (laughs) Maybe they got to play a little golf on Saturday. I don't know. (laughs) But their life's about to change. Isn't it? And was there a a division between life pre that service and life after that service? Their life was one way. And now the Holy Ghost says, separate unto me. Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I've called them. And now their life is never going to be the same again. It's going to be totally different. But you know why it was totally different? We talked about this earlier. Many are called, Jesus said. What's the rest of the phrase? Why are few chosen? Few are willing to follow. Could these men have refused to do this? Could they have said, well, man, I'm comfortable. I just got my house done and... Huh? Could they have? And you know, I got my friends here and I got my family here. And Could they have refused to separate from their current life and their current lifestyle? They could have. And that, friend, without going any further, that right there is why millions never get in their place. Because they're unwilling to leave behind one thing and go by faith to find the other. Separate unto me. Say it again. Separate. Separate. Let me read these to you. Romans uh, 1. Don't turn there. But Romans 1 and 1. Paul said this later. He said Paul referring to himself. A servant of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle. Separated. Unto the gospel of God. Somebody say called. called. And separated. separated. Galatians 1.15. 115 of Galatians, he said, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Does separation accompany the call? It does. And can you see there are different times and degrees of level of separation? He was separated from his mother's womb. There was a call on his life. But then there came a time later in his life where the Holy Ghost said again, separate unto me. What does that mean? We're unhooking from this and we're hooking up to this. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to do this. Let me read some other scriptures. Romans 12 and verse 6. Let me just read this out loud to you. And I'm going to read this to you in the God's Word Translation. That's the name of it. God's Word Translation. Verse 6 says, God in His kindness gave each of us different gifts. If your gift is speaking God's Word, make sure what you say agrees with the Christian faith. Well, that's a good idea. (laughs) If your gift is serving, then devote yourself to serving. If it is teaching... Devote yourself to teaching. If it is encouraging others, devote yourself to giving encouragement. Do you hear the phrase? Devote yourself. Say it out loud. Devote 
That's another way of saying separate. Separate yourself. Devote yourself. Say it out loud. Devote yourself. Devote yourself. Go to 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12. 1 Timothy 4, 12, he said, Let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word and in conversation, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you. That means you could. Doesn't it? Does everybody have a gift or gifts in them? Yeah. Could you neglect them? Could they be there for years and you never do anything with them? Sadly so. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. What's that next phrase? Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. Give yourself wholly to them. Can you see this when the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. Just knowing how the, a little bit about how the Lord works, I know they've already been thinking about these trips and doing these kind of things. God's been getting them ready. Hasn't he? Certainly he has. And for these years that they've been in the ministry already, everything that has happened has gotten them ready for this. You know, Phyllis and I have talked about that. I mean, you know, both of us been working at different jobs since we were 13 years old. And we did all kind of stuff. I mean, I one job I had, this was a day for me. It was a, a small community shopping center that we also had a volunteer fire department connected with it. We had a place for car maintenance. Uh, we had a meat uh, shop. And so on a particular day, I might go into the hardware and sell somebody a uh, washer and dryer and load it and deliver it later that afternoon. And I might go back in an hour or two and go outside and put on some new tires and change oil. And then come in and, of course, wash my hands first and cut up a chicken. (laughs) Or wrap up some ground beef. And then I might get a call and go open the barn and get the fire truck. (laughs) I've done it all in the same day. And go drive the fire truck over to some field that had caught on fire. And Phyllis had similar type jobs where you just, you had to deal with people and you had to do this and you had to do that. And looking back over the years, everything prepared us for the next thing that was coming. Did you hear me, friends? Don't despise the natural jobs and the natural things that you're doing. Believe God is big. Believe that when you asked him to order your steps and direct your paths, that he's ordering them more than you realize it. See to it that you're faithful and you do it with your whole heart. Whatever your hand can find to do right now, believing that he's preparing you. He's getting you ready for the next thing. And how well you do this and how faithful you do this determines how quickly you get to the next thing or even if you get to the next thing. 
But when he said separate unto me, can you see that they then gave themselves full time to going where the gospel had not been preached? Can you see this? They gave themselves to it, which means they didn't have time and weren't available for all the other stuff they'd been doing. They devoted themselves to it. Now, all you got to do is compare this with the natural. There are all kind of people just in the athletic realm that you hear coaches talk about. They have a natural gift. They have a natural ability. And they never amount to anything in the game. Because they didn't give themselves to it. They didn't develop in it. Now there's some things, let's say, you know, the runners, the best runners in the world. They have a place in the hierarchy of sports, whether it's the Olympics or, or whatever it might be. There's a handful of runners that everybody that's in the running sport know who they are. And so there's some things about them they were born with. Some things about their body, some things about their anatomy, something about their heart and their lungs that enable them to go beyond where a lot of other people could go. There's other people, no matter how much they devoted themselves to it, they'd never run on that level. Just the shape of their body and the way they are. They could get good, but they could never get to that place. But even people that had all the natural giftings, the thing that could make them a super runner, they'd never got there by sitting on the couch eating potato chips. What'd they have to do? They had to devote themselves to it. They had to give themselves to it. They had to separate themselves to it. People that have achieved the top places in these areas, many of them, their family and friends tried to talk them out of it. Or they said, you know what, all you want to do is run. You got to do this, you got to do that. And they weren't available for a lot of other things. It's a choice, isn't it? Somebody say separate. Give yourself, he said, wholly to them. In the book of Acts, go over there and notice this. Acts, the sixth chapter. Acts chapter six. They had a problem in the uh, church in these days because people weren't getting fed and people, widows were getting missed in the daily ministration and Verse 2, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples to them, and they said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you uh, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business. But we will do what? Give ourselves. Does this sound like separation? We'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Even if you're naturally gifted at running or swimming, how are you going to get good at running and swimming? By running or swimming. And we're not talking about running a time or two, are we? We're talking about running and running and day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. But if you decide, I can't do all that running, I got to do this, and I got to do that, 
And you won't separate yourself from the other things and give yourself to the running. You will never achieve that level of running. And so you'll never get in the top places of best runners in the world. And the same thing is true with whatever God has called you to. Now, people are making decisions about their life. And like we said, parents tell children, you know, honey, you can be anything you want to be. And the reason they tell them that is because that's how they're operating. They make decisions. They move the whole family across country based on a pay raise. Did you hear me? They don't get involved in the church because they're busy with this. And they're busy with that. They don't. They miss services. They don't get the word. They don't get fed. They don't get instructed because they're busy with that. They will not separate themselves unto the spiritual things and to the things of God. So no matter what kind of call is on their life, no matter what kind of graces and gifts are in them, they'll never develop. They're too busy making a living, living life, taking care of everything. And people say, well, you got to. (laughs) You have to. No, it's your choice. Anybody that achieved a higher place in development, I don't care if it's natural, mental, spiritual, musician, makes no difference what it is. How many know they had to make a choice? Didn't they? They had to make a choice. I'm pursuing this. And people told them right and left, you can't make a living doing that. You can't do this and that. But they did it anyhow. And some of the very people that tried to talk them out of it are so delighted when they become a big star later on. But if they listen to them, and if you listen to everybody around about you, you'll never separate yourself under doing what the Lord's called you to do, directed you to do. I know when we first uh, uh, realized, Phyllis and I, that we had a call on our life for the ministry. Some nearly, well, 30 years ago, we felt like we should go to Rama Bible Training Center. And I even had some of my own relatives, not my mom and dad, thank God they supported us, but some of my own relatives and some people that were uh, in ministry come to me and try to talk to me and say, where are you going? <laughs> Why are you going out there? And one fellow that I respected and a good brother, a minister, a pastor, and I'm just young, young, and he's my elder and He said, well, now, Keith, he said, uh, we need young people like you in the church that live for the Lord and be an example. We need you here. He said, we don't have that many. I thought, well, okay. And he said, "Uh, isn't the Holy Ghost your teacher? I said, yeah. He said, why can't he teach you here? I didn't know. (laughs) And... He really tried to talk me out of going. But the Lord was endeavoring to separate us. Are you listening, friends? Separate us from everything we had known, everything we had been around, our way of thinking, our way of seeing things, and for us to give ourselves completely to finding His will and give ourselves to pursuing the ministry. I know, you know, when I first started, I hadn't been teaching and preaching. I was going to be a fighter. I could kick you real hard. 
<laughs> but I couldn't find your scriptures. And so I, when I saw finally, man, I'm supposed to be teaching and preaching. I prayed one time. I said, Lord, I need to develop. Uh, put me in the place and give me the situation and the things I need that would cause me to develop the quickest and yet the most solidly. Man, I didn't know what I had asked for. <laughs> it wasn't but a few months that uh, I had opportunity to speak. And then I had opportunity to speak some more. And then I had opportunity to speak some more. And then this was added to me. And then that was added to me. And in a few more months, I was speaking sometimes 20 times a week. Sometimes 25 times a week. Well, I hadn't got all this big reservoir of stuff in me. I, I mean, I, Phyllis barely saw me in those days. I'd come in and I'd just say, hi, and I'd go get my Bible out and I'd start praying and studying because i got to speak three or four or five times the next day. And, and finally, at one point, I got in the floor and I said, God, this seems like too much. I just, he said, you asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> How are you going to get good at running? running. Huh? Run. If you're going to be a top-notch runner, what do you got to do? You got to give yourself to running. You got to be separated under running. You got to think running in the morning, running at noontime, running when the sun goes down. If you're not running, you're getting ready to run. (laughs) If you're not running, you're recovering from running. And then you're running. Well, something the Lord has called you to that's how you develop in it. You got to give yourself to it. But so many people don't have time. They're too busy doing other things that they got to do. And the years go by. And the decades go by. And your life goes by. Hmm? They say, we're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Go to First Timothy, please. Can you take some more? I'm not done, so... Hold on with me a little while. First Timothy and the third chapter. He talks about qualifications for the ministry in this passage. One thing he says in verse 6, well, verse uh, 5, If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Is it true that things that God teaches you naturally Apply directly to spiritual things. Verse 6. What does it say? What's that first phrase say? Not a novice. Lest being lifted up with pride. He fall into the condemnation of the devil. Not a novice. Say that out loud. Not a novice. Say it again. Not a novice. If you're a novice. How do you overcome that? How do you get to the place where you're no longer a novice? Now, let's back up. He's talking about somebody being put in a leadership position, isn't he? An overseer that you have some oversight of something. You're a leader. He said, don't put novices in leadership positions. Is that true or not? Should we obey that? Should we follow that? But just all the time you see people, they want to be over something. But what have you done? Well, I I feel like I'm called and gifted. Well, you may be. But a call is not the same thing as developed. 
You may have a great call on your life. You may have tremendous gifts and graces in you and on you. But that doesn't mean they'll ever be developed. That's like saying somebody could be a great runner. Could be a great football player. Could be a great swimmer. Well, yeah, but they may never be. (laughs) It depends on what they separate themselves unto. What they give themselves to. So how would you overcome? If you're not going to be put in a leadership position, how are you going to overcome being a novice? If it's not leadership, what are you going to be in? Helps capacity. Not leading, but following. Not directing, but helping. And here's where the rub comes in. (laughs) A lot of people have trouble with this part. Don't they? Look through the examples in the Bible. Moses and uh, Joshua. Remember that? Elijah and Elisha. Jesus and the twelve. Paul and Timothy. What was going on? There was, as they helped them, were they learning? Were they developing? Were they in a place where their graces could be identified and developed? Oh, friend, this is where the local church is supposed to shine, isn't it? This is one of the reasons the Lord directed us to have teams. Yes, it's so that jobs get done. Yes, it's so that people get ministered to and people get helped. But it's also so that people will develop. So that people can develop. And also that they can have some reward. You must develop. If you're a novice, how are you going to overcome being a novice? The only way you're not a novice is you've had some experience. Well, how do you get experience and you're not leading? (laughs) You're helping. You're following. You're helping. Oh, thank God for these relationships, for these opportunities. I know... I had been in the ministry for a few years and uh, had some people helping me in healing school. And uh, the Lord prompted me. I'm a, a fairly private individual. I, I like to pray by myself. I like to study by myself. I like to be quiet. I'm pretty private. You might, when you see me, I'm just talking all the time and we're all together. But uh, I am. And the Lord dealt with me. It came, a thought came to me about letting some of my guys pray with me. I prayed every morning before my services. I thought, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, uh, I don't like distractions. I, I like to focus. and I don't like everybody listening to what I'm saying either. And You know, it gets real private, you know. And the Lord said, it's not for you. I thought, okay. He said, it'll help them. Let them pray with you. I thought, okay. And so I began to do that. And one thing after another, the Lord uses, if you haven't prayed like that before, or you haven't ministered like that before, the Lord would allow you an association. And you learn so much that you don't even know you're learning. I said, just by being there, just by watching, just by hearing. I know uh, Brother Hagin one time uh, we were in a meeting with him, and, and he told somebody that he had uh, trained me. 
And uh, he said that about a number of people. And when he first said it, this was years ago, I hadn't spent any time with him personally to speak of. After that, we got to spend some. But that bothered me. I thought, well, because my idea if somebody trained you is a lot of one-on-one. And, and afterwards, the Lord said, sure he did. Every day on that seat. In healing school, in prayer school, you would sense things and then you'd watch him interpret them. You'd watch him. You'd know the Lord wanted to do something, but you didn't know what it was. But then you'd see him follow the leading of the Spirit. And you'd see him interpret this. You'd see him do that. You were learning volumes and didn't even realize it. This is supposed to be happening every service. This is supposed to be happening with every connection, every divine connection, every divine association. And the devil knows how precious these connections and joinings are, which is why he is continuously trying to create strife and division to get you separated from what God joins you to. Because if he can do it, it's going to cut off your development. Oh, friend, if we really realized the importance of these things, we would not let anything or anybody run us off from where God has sent us or joined us. We'd put up with anything and everything. We'd endure anything and everything to stay hooked because our development depends upon him. Thank God for these joinings. Where you are, the people that's in your life, the friends The ministry, the ministries, the associations are not accidental. They're not by chance. It's all orchestrated and ordained of the Lord. And it's working something in you. And when you have an opportunity, give yourself to it. I said give yourself to it. Give yourself wholly to it. Don't let other things take precedence. It just grieves my heart when I see people. You know, they say, well, the Lord told us to be in these meetings. The Lord told us to come be a part of this. The Lord told us. And then it comes up and they don't show. What happened? Well, something came up. If you let it, something will always come up. That's how the devil works. Wake up. Get a clue. If you allow it, there'll always be something that'll knock you out of divinely appointed Hallelujah, connections and associations that are essential to your development. Do you believe it? Then protect it. Be watchful over it. Let nothing separate you. Can you say glory to God? Go to 2 Corinthians 6. Separation is from and to. You see it very clearly in this verse, 2 Corinthians and the uh, 6th chapter. 2 Corinthians and 6. The scripture says, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Should you be joined to unbelievers or separated? From unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What's the answer? And what communion has light with darkness? What's the answer? And what concord has Christ with Belial? None. Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God. They shall be my people. 
Verse 17. Do you have your eyes on it? Wherefore do what? Do what? Come out from among them. And be ye what? Separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Read verse 17 again. What did the Lord say? Come out from among them and be ye separate. Separate from what? You got to go back to 14. Unbelievers, unrighteous, darkness, belial, infidels. Now the word segregate essentially means separate, segregation. Usually when you hear the word you think about racial segregation. And we ought not to be separatists on anything that would have to do with a person's age or background or education or color. But we ought to be segregationists when it comes to unbelievers and sin. Did you hear me? Jesus is called the one separate from sinners. We should be separatists in this regard. It doesn't make any difference. Your age, your background, your education, how rich you are, what color you are, male or female. That shouldn't make any difference at all. But what you believe does make a difference. Now, that doesn't mean we try to act like we're better than other folks. But here's the problem. If you fellowship with other people... You have to fellowship with whatever spirits they're yielding to. Inescapable. Why shouldn't you go to some of the dark dive places? You know what I mean by dark dive? That's an archaic term. (laughs) Clubs, beer joints, you know, places of ill repute. People get religious about why they should or shouldn't go. If you go there and you do what they do and enjoy what they enjoy, you are yielding to the same spirits they're yielding to. And if they're wrong spirits, that's God's enemies. And you are committing spiritual adultery by being intimate with wrong spirits. You should be separate. I said separate. There's a friend of mine who's pastor of a successful church now, another part of the country, has been for years. But years ago, he was, how can I say it, he was a drug addict on the hardest drugs and had just ruined his life as a young person I'm talking about. And I mean, he had taken so many hard drugs until he couldn't even think right. He had damaged himself. And to look at somebody that far down. And now leader of a strong church and a beautiful family for decades. (laughs) 
I wanted to talk to him. I knew some of his story, but I said, tell me how you came out of that. Because I knew he didn't just dabble in them. You know, he was the bad people. He didn't just get mixed up with the wrong crowd. He was the wrong crowd. He's the one that would get you hooked, sell you drugs. And he had done drugs until he was just, he couldn't hold a decent conversation with people. They said he had permanent brain damage. He just, he'd, try, he'd do anything. You know, acid, heroin. I mean, he did a lot of it. I said, how did you get free? Tell me, I want to hear it. I know bits and pieces of it. He said, well, he said the first and main thing was the love of God and the word of God. He said, the people of God uh, that came across my path, that God sent across my path, they loved me and they gave me the word. Not their opinion, not religion. And he said there was power in that word that put faith in me. And put, you know, he said, I knew I was killing myself. He said, I knew I would not live much longer. He's just a young guy. He said, I knew I couldn't even think straight anymore. I knew I didn't have long to live. But he said, it seemed like I couldn't quit. You know, every pore of my being would scream for those drugs. And I'd do anything. He stole from his family. He'd do anything to get those drugs. And he said, uh, the love of the people of God. And he said, that word, it was the message of faith. And he said, that word, the word of God, the anointed word of God, put something in me. And it enabled me to believe I could change. Internet where I never had before. It enabled me to believe God was real. And he did care about me. And he would help me. And it was possible. <laughs> Even if I couldn't see how, it was possible. For me to get free. Even before he was free. But he said one of the biggest things. That had to change though. He said I got free. I got saved. I began going to church. But then I'd fall back in. And then I'd fall back in. Anybody know what's coming next? He said I'd fall back in. And he said what I eventually had to come to conclusion to. I had to separate myself. From my former friends. And he said, that was my friends. That was my life. He said, but they're druggies. And they're going to do drugs. And I kept thinking, well, I can be around them. And maybe I can win them. But he said, I'd wind up doing drugs. And he said, one of the hardest things on me. Because they're my friends. That's my life. Somebody say separation. Separation. Say it again, separation. Separation. God calls you out of, unto. Can you see it? He calls you out of. How many of you brought the the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage? Didn't he? Unto the promised land. Can you see it? He calls you out of sin. Unto righteousness. Out of disease. Unto wholeness. Out of poverty. Unto abundance. But you got to be willing. What do you got to be willing to do? Separate. He said that was one of the hardest things I had to do. He said I kept falling back into it because I'd, you know, that's my friends. Who are you going to talk to? Who you hang out with? And so they'd say, well, hey man, you know, try some of this. And he's saying, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And he finally realized, he said, I cannot be around these people. And of course, they didn't understand. They said, well, you're too good for us. He's Mr. Holier than thou now. He can't do 
Let them say what they're going to say. But now a lot of them are dead and gone years ago. He's pastoring a flourishing work with a beautiful family. And God healed him. I said, God healed him. God healed his brain. He's bright. He's sharp. When you used to couldn't hardly understand what he was saying. All things are possible to him that believes. But you understand this miracle would never have happened unless he had what? What he separated himself from. He knew God was telling him, separate yourself from this. Come out from among them. Be separate. Separate yourself from that and separate yourself unto me. And friend, anything that would hinder you from serving the Lord, serving the gospel, serving the church, doing what you should do, you need to make up your mind, no, I am not letting anything hold me back. I will separate myself from it. And I will give myself wholly and completely unto what he's called me to do. Don't let it seem like too small of a thing. I mean, if it's sweeping the floor, if it's directing a car, if it's uh, preparing some little uh, cookie for the children or whatever it might be. I understand if it's done for the kingdom of God, it's eternal. It matters. It makes a difference. And all this other stuff is never going to be remembered. It's going to be gone and done and nobody will ever know nor care. If you'll separate yourself from all that would hinder you and hold you back, lay aside every weight, every sin, They would hold you back, separate yourself from it, and give yourself wholly to what's available to you, the opportunities that you have. God will lead you into your ultimate place. He will cause you to develop. It won't all happen overnight or in a month or two, but you'll develop, and one thing will lead to another, and one thing will lead to another, and you'll identify the graces that are in you. They'll begin to develop just a little bit at first, and then more, and then more, and then more. And by the grace of God, one day you'll find yourself in an amazingly good place. And you'll think, oh, i got to pinch myself. Am I really here? Am I really doing this? God's letting me be a part of this. Oh, I'm speaking for Phyllis and myself. I mean, I we've got a long ways to go. Don't misunderstand me. But just doing the things that we're doing now in ministry. I mean, it's not that many years ago, I was milking a cow, getting a you know, nasty tail, swapping me in the face. Uh, <laughs> didn't know anything about the Bible, and here I am talking to you tonight. I got the freedom to fly around anywhere, and preach anywhere, and rip back home and send materials by the millions all over the planet. Sometimes I... I got to pinch myself and go, is this really this old Mississippi boy that God pulled up out of the mud and is using? He'll use anybody. I said he'll use anybody. Anybody that will separate theirself and give theirself unto. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Master. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, I praise you. I thank you. How good you are. How wonderful you are. How gracious you are. Thank you. Somebody say, thank you for calling me, Lord. Thank you for making me a member in the body. Giving me a place. Giving me grace. Thank you. you. 
for using me. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.